You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret Blue podcast. This is our post-match reaction to Aston Villa's 3-0 defeat at Stamford Bridge on Saturday. And first of all, it wasn't really a 3-0 defeat game, was it? I mean, first half in particular, I thought I thought Villa were, were the better side. Um, and if you take the, the game as result value only, 3-0 looks bad. But in the context of the performance, it's probably our best game of the season in, in, in many ways, if, if you're just talking about the first half. Uh, Ash, you were there. James, I know you're laughing. You're saying best performance of the season. I know it was. sounds silly when you lose 3-0. No, it's not silly. But first half, we were, we were very good. Uh, Ash, you were there. How did you see it, first of all, before we get stuck into the, the topics we've got coming up? Yeah, that's exactly what Dean Smith said afterwards. That's our best performance of the season so far. And it ends in a 3 0 defeat. Thanks for coming, kind of thing. And yeah, that first half is incredible. I've really going out on the front foot, squeezing Chelsea into mistakes. Ramsey McGinn, the highlights for me. It was bold, brash. It really was, wasn't it? And then just that, that, that just seeing the, the ball back in cover. It's a really clever ball. Cute ball over the top. Lukaku does what he does best. It's 1 0 and Villa chasing the towels after that. And, but they're still Preston, Preston. Watkins had a couple of good chances. Mendy saved twice, didn't he, from Conso Mings as well. And I think I said a stat, the stat coming up on Sky Sports. I said touches in the opposition box. I think after 20 minutes, Villa had like 10 touches in Chelsea's box. Um, it doesn't happen at the Stamford Bridge. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. against Chelsea. Um, Champions of Europe. So for me, uh, Villa proved the point. Um, they can mix it with the best of them. I like the new system. Two, two up top, Ings and Watkins. That's going to come. Okay, didn't come off, quite come off uh, at the weekend, but that'll come. Uh, wing-backs were fine, midfield were standouts for me. A lot of Douglas Luiz's work as well. Just a mistake, wasn't it? I'm sure we'll come to Mings' mistake. And you give Chelsea a second, he's going to be game over. So, um, a tough one to take, but lots of lots, lots of positives to build on. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to the Everton game now, Dan. I think the first 10 or so minutes until Chelsea, Chelsea scored, it was a bit you know, to and fro. But once Chelsea yeah. scored... It was like Villa just found another level and then another level. I was really impressed actually with Jacob Ramsey. Yeah, me too. I didn't. I don't expect to be saying that, um, but he, he seems to have come a, such a long way. He seems like he's got a real fire to kind of catch up on on the lost time. Um, missed out on England duty, didn't he? Uh, well, England youth duty, and he missed out on the, the the last Villa game as well. So I think he's he's looking to make up for the, for missing that. And he was really good. If you look at the player he was up against, Sal, mm. you know. Jacob Ramsey versus it shouldn't even it's, it's, a, it's a joke. He looked like he was like knocking around in like you know um, school playground. Perry Beach is like great bar, just you know <laughs> racing past people. He, he wasn't at, you know he, he was there having a great time. And I think yellow card was deserved for him, but it really killed his game as well because he looked impressive physically, and then he had to take a more advanced role. If he could have done the, a bit of both, maybe we could have had a bit more, but. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to the referee later. Probably the fairest yellow card he, he gave out of the day. Yeah. I think it stunted him a little bit. And obviously it led to him coming off later, which was a, a bit of, you know, it was deflating mm. um, for Villa at that point. But yeah, it was, a, it was a tough one to swallow. You know, you can't argue with the goals at all, but you can argue with the fact that Villa played great football against a team that's verging on the elite and in their house as well. You know, you, yeah. you've got to beat Chelsea, man. You've got to be at your best and Villa were, and they didn't even have Martinez or, you, you, you know, they didn't have Buendia. You know, Bailey was on the bench. That's not even their best team or best formation. And they, they you play Chelsea off the park. But it's another moral victory and we should be past that point now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you certainly can't gift them a goal, can you? you, you no. You've got to be 10 out of 10 game and Villa were 
you know, the first half of an eight out of ten, nine out of ten were very good in that first half, but the cutting through ball to, to open scoring and a ninety seven million goal scorer puts a goal away, like shock horror, that's his job, isn't it? That's what they <laughs> yeah. brought him to do. Um then as we say, we'll get on to the Mings thing later. Just on Ramsey quickly, I'm again. We we're talking in a previous podcast about COVID and how that might affect them. <laughs> Didn't affect them at all, did it? They were probably the two best players on the pitch. Mm. You gotta go back a couple of podcasts as well and use the how many feels not good enough? We need to spend well, £40 yeah, million. Um, I think Jacob Ramsey could save Villa a fortune here. I, I, I did note down in pre-season, he, he looked much bigger and then he looked mm. in stature. He's, he's really a size now. Like a boxer, like his old man kind of stature. <laughs> um, he was gliding past Chelsea at the, at the bridge. And that's, that's going to build build his confidence. He, he can go to Stamford Bridge and, <laughs> and keep Sal the runaround and like he did. And that's going to bode well. So he backed up his, his, his Newcastle performance with another one at Chelsea. And let's see what he can do this season. Really good start for Ramsey. Likewise, McGinn, he's back to his best now. He always plays well at Stamford Bridge. And um, yeah, I thought he was very good as well. So I don't know what fans will be thinking listening to this. A couple of weeks ago, the midfield wasn't good enough. I think I think Ramsey and McGinn have stepped up to the plate big time. And uh, there's options in there now. Morgan Santan was back, in, mm. back amongst the squad. So that's another option there. He will be like a new signing kind of thing. As cliche as that sounds. I like Douglas Louise's work, I've said that. And they got Nicamba to come in for the, for the games. Horses for courses, where Villa, Villa aren't expected to have too much of the ball. Nicamba can do what he do, does. So, uh, options there. And um, I think Jacob Ramsey, yeah, he could save Villa millions there, mate. I don't imagine Jacob Ramsey will start 35, 38 Premier League games, to be honest. Um, and I think if, if James Will Prowse was available for 35, 40 million in the summer just gone, he would mm. be Villa's midfielder now and would, would be starting in there. But... Mm rather than settle for option D or option E and, and, and put 15 million on somebody else, they've trusted Jacob Ramsey and said, right, go and start games in the Premier League at, at your age. And, and he, he's done very well to him, to be fair. And a big part of that is John McGinn improving a lot from last season as well. So at the moment, that midfield does look a, a lot more improved than it was. And as you said, Ash, we were all panicking about it a few weeks ago. And at the moment, yeah. it's the least of our concerns, isn't it? Three five two. Surprised, surprised people. Patrick Rowe in our preview actually said, yeah, we should go with 3-5-2 yeah. and match Chelsea. And I said, oh, Dean Smith won't change. What are you talking about, mate? And, uh, absolutely <laughs> Love proved, that, Patrick. Proved, proved, proved wrong at half four on, uh, on Saturday evening. Um, to be fair, the 3-5-2 worked very well, especially in that first half. Um, I think I think Smith's got it. I know we've lost the game, but Smith's got it pretty spot on in the sense that he, he's matched Chelsea. He's changed his system. And if it's not for you know, a clinical finish up front, a very good goalkeeper for Chelsea at the back as well. You know, Villa had some chances uh, and Mings' mistake. It could be a very different game we're talking about. However, 3-5-2, is that a long-term solution? Because how you fit Buendia, Bailey, Trezeguet, Traore, Ghazi, whichever the wingers you want to pick, how you fit those two in, into that system... They don't go, do they? And Villa haven't spent sixty millions worth on on bailing Brendier for them to be sub sub players. That three five two is difficult because I think there's always going to be an element that revolves around the signing of Danny Ings and how we can, I guess, a uh, crowbar isn't the right word, but how you can fit him in because you don't spend the money and pay the player for them just to be an option. They've got to be the guy. So when you've got that and Ollie Watkins, it's it's always going to be a headache for Dean Smith. And I don't know if 3-5-2 or 5-3-2 or any kind of variation on a, on a back three or back five is kind of the way to go forward or if it was just situationally to, to match up with Chelsea. But in my opinion, it worked for almost everyone bar the player. It was probably built around to fit in. He was Danny Ings. <laughs> Yeah. Um he yeah, was really, really, really quiet. If you look at 
the kind of shot creating actions, kind of the involvement in in the shooting, he was like non-existent. So he didn't make a shot at all. If you compare that with kind of Ollie Watkins, John McGinn, they made four each. Danny Ings didn't make one. He didn't have a, he had a single shot. But what's really encouraging is Chelsea, their top player was Callum Hudson-Odoi in terms of the um, shots created. He had four. Um, Villa had four from two players and then three from Jacob Ramsey and three from Douglas Lewis. So everyone was getting involved, even Tyron Mings with, 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 with you know, chance creation. People were getting involved. Yeah. Um, it was just the guy that it was built around, kind of. I, I, not in the same sense of building the team around Jack Grealish, but you, that formation is clearly there to fit in a second striker or more of a, you know, a, a deeper striker like Danny Ings. And his impact was negligible. And I don't know if we'll say that often about Danny Ings because he's already made a massive, massive impact for Villa so far. Yeah. But in a match where you needed a striker to score, it was a Watkins doing all that. And the guy who was, you know, your creator, your scorer, the, the, the main guy, essentially isn't involved in any aspect bar pressing, um, which it's, it's disappointing, but it's one you take on the chin, I think. What did you make of that formation, Ash? Yeah, yeah, James raised some good points about Danny Ings now. Uh, I'll be watching him closely in, in the upcoming weeks because he hasn't had a, he hasn't he had two goals in four games. He's one in two already, but he hasn't done too much in terms of goal involvement. He, I mean, that ball's kick against Newcastle, basically won it, and moments of magic that he's come up with. So, yeah, watch Danny Ings closely in the next couple of weeks there, see where he fits in. He might come out the team this weekend, you, you don't know. Um, but yeah, the formation itself. I asked Smith about trying to get in your Baileys and your, your Bertrand Drores and how you're going to fit them in. He said it's horses for courses. He said he, 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 he has the luxury to fit the system when he wants to now and yeah. to keep opposition guessing. He mentioned that as well. He said Tuchel expected him to play two sixes, like they always do, and they basically played two eights, pushed them right up, and uh, Charles could deal with that. And I think I think McGinn made some t- uh, telling comments as well. He said we, we targeted Saul, his first Premier League start. <laughs> The targeted him, got really good success out of him. And then half time, what does Tuchel do? He brings on Jorginho, he, he steadies it down a little bit, and hmm. Chelsea win the game. So, yeah, it's going to be keep, keeping on the tactics. It's going to be um, really intriguing to see how it pans out. I think Villa will, will switch systems quite a lot this, this season. I can see that happening. When Bailey came on against Chelsea, he, played, he came on centrally, which, which surprised <laughs> yeah. me a little bit. He came on like central midfield kind of thing, a bit, a bit further forward. I thought, like, yeah, really going for it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm really impressed with Bailey. A lot of people said yeah, to me, me oh, I didn't see too much of him, but close cut of the press bench at Stamford Bridge, really close to the pitch, just his feet. I mean, he didn't give the ball away too many times. He's twisting really good inside out. He made Alonso really, really enjoyed himself in that half an hour he had. Um, so I'm really, really excited about him. He could play as a nine, you know. Ings comes out, Bailey could play up there. I've got no problems with that. Yeah. He's said that before as well. So. There's options are plenty, and it's down to the, the man who's paid the books to do so. Dean Smith to get the to find the right formula. Well, um, one of the sorry, Ash, one of the biggest criticisms that, that Dean Smith gets thrown at him over the last three years, pretty much, is a, is an over reliance on Jack Grealish and an over reliance on one system. Exactly, that. and and we've we've not played the same way in any game this season so far, and and we've went into a three at the back formation to match up a potential Premier League champion this season. Does show tactical flexibility from Smith, so. You know, it's a, it's a, in, in one essence, it's a good a, a headache to have how we're sitting here going, how do you fit Danny Ings in? How do you fit Emery Buendir in and, and Leon Bailey, £90, worth pound, uh, £90 million worth of signings this summer? 
But you've got to find a way to fit him in because we've signed those players to replace Jack Grealish and two of those three don't even play yesterday. I know Brendy is not, not available, but you know, again, he doesn't really fit into a 3-5-2 either. So again, it's a, it's a good headache for them to have. And I don't know whether it'll be as simple as playing a 4-3-3 at home and a, a three at the back system away, but having a, having that flexibility to change it up is only a good thing for Villa, I would assume. job now is to keep, keep players happy as well. Being in and out of the side, mm. I suspect they will be. But I think they're gonna just gonna keep the opposition guessing. They're gonna to try and out, outthink opposition managers and um, attack weak, weak weaknesses. Everton this weekend as well. So yeah, really interesting. A lot, a lot, a lot of the set piece angle as well. I studied mm. the set pieces at the weekend. They're just causing my end in Chelsea box. Cash launching it in. They look for them. Ezra Concert every single time from uh, deep free kicks McGinn was whipping in. Concert got a lot of first contact, so a bit unfortunate that, that double side for Mendy came from a, from a set mm-hmm. piece as well. And McGinn, McGinn's corner is really interesting as well. He, he whips it straight at the keeper um, and Mendy was flapping a little bit. So that set piece angle with Austin McPhee in there as well. That, that, I, think it's just, I think Villa are keeping opposition teams guessing kind of thing and mm-hmm. you know, how, how they're going to play out. So yeah, you just want to see that that works. As well, and I think we need to get the best out of Ings and Watkins as well, which we, we tasked with uh, Aaron Danks, a new striker coach. So uh, interesting to see kind of the same routine and um, be brought up at the set pieces because I think Danny Murphy on match of the day went, you know, it's just them chucking it in essentially um, uh, to paraphrase, just them chucking it into a box. But you see, when you see it once, you know, it, it's just a thing, but you see over and over, it's you know, looking for Conza or looking for Minks to knock it down yeah. all the time because they will, they will, uh, like not 100% of the time, but. They got really strong chances of beating people to the ball, and it's it's unstoppable in that sense. Yeah. The only thing that stops it is kind of the chaos that follows after, which is the design of it is to yeah. kind of break down that tactic. So it's really interesting to kind of see us commit to it because can you really defend it? No, it defends itself almost in in how the chances you know how up to luck it can be. Um, but if you you know you have to challenge Tyrone Mings or Ezra Conza to a ball do you win it? You know, it's really difficult. It changes the way the defenders have to think as well. Cause one of the Chelsea guys just smashed out for a throw in early on. And I thought, we've got a long throw in our, in our, in our game now. That's a, you know, it's as good as just whacking it out for a corner for no reason. So it's something else for them to think about knowing that oh, I can't just blast this out into the stands here because Villa are dangerous from, from throw-ins as well. I think it's better than a corner. Like, well, yeah, I think that's how I feel. Cause like a corner, I think it's underrated how hard a corner can be to take in the Premier League. Like, you've got to get it over the first guy, but enough dip, you know, it's got a curve away from the keeper. You can just, like, chuck it off someone's head. Like, you know, with and the angle's different. So, I feel like Villa have got a real weapon now. And we've said it before, but, you know, it didn't come off against Chelsea, but it, it in a sense, it did because the threat that it provided and the chances it made, mm. we were already making from open play as well. So, you know, there's a lot of positives to take there, like, on and off the ball. Yeah, we talk about small margins as football as well, don't we? If that's the, a small margin that wins you a game, then it's absolutely worth worth sticking with. And you know, if one of those double save from Mendy doesn't go in and it's Villa that score on the 47th minute rather than Chelsea and it goes one all, then maybe we're talking about a very different game. Um, we'll talk about that 47th minute incident now with, with Tara Mings. It's been the, the big kind of subject on social media since since the game. Mings has since come out on social media social media, sorry, and, and apologized for his sloppy back pass. Um first of all, before we get stuck into the actual technicalities of what he's done, does he did he need to apologise? Is that something he felt like he had to do? No, not for me. No, he didn't do it on purpose, did he? So just unfortunate mm. he, he showed his hands up. Smith asked Smith about that as well. How is Mings in the dressing room? He basically apologised to the lads as well. 
it happens in football, doesn't it? Ollie, Ollie Watkins missed two chances. The one where he rounded him and he should have done better. No one speaks about that. And then because Mings messes up for a goal, the game's over, isn't it? So, yeah, um, for me, doesn't need to apologise. Mings is Mings done, he's, he's incredible in the village, isn't he, over the last however long he's been there now. So, that's fine, fine on my behalf now. It's very kind of black and white with Tyra Mings, whether you're on his side or you're against him. It's what it feels like on social media anyway. And I'm obviously on the, the camp of I'm with Tyra Mings here. I'm defending my club captain, essentially. Like, I'm not going to say, people have said, does he deserve to be dropped? Should he not be the captain anymore? How is he in England International? He's a liability. He's a joke. I don't agree with any of those kind of things. He's, he's made a sloppy back pass and we've conceded uh, off the back of it. Ultimately, in a game, we are already losing against against Chelsea, which no one expects us to get anything out of anyway. I'm not using that as an excuse because, yeah, it still was poor. There's a difference between people abusing him, which I've seen on social media as well, and being able to criticise his performance or, or a mistake. But some of the things that you say that you see written saying that oh, he's got a mistake in him every game, he's cost us so many points, he's made so many errors since in his time at Villa. I don't think any of that's true. It doesn't cost us points every game. He got an no. assist and a clean sheet against Newcastle two or three weeks ago. <laughs> So he won us points. Could have had the goal as well, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So, yes, I understand it was, a, it was a mistake and it's frustrating, but I'm not going to pin it, you know, us losing the game on, on one man who's who's now our captain and, and has done a lot of good for Villa. Um, how did you assess the actual incident, James? Because, again, I've seen people trying to excuse timings or saying, well, maybe Tom Davies' pass wasn't great or nah. Steer didn't come out as quick as Martinez might have. And they're all if buts and maybes. Yeah, maybe if you add all those together, maybe Martinez does come out quicker and deal with that or... Tons Abbey's pass is slightly better and onto Mings' stronger foot so he can take a touch earlier. It's, it's little moments that, that maybe do change that incident, but ultimately Mings' pass was poor, it was sloppy, and that, that has led to a goal. Is that how yeah. you saw it, or, or, or were there all other things at play there? No, it was. Look, it's a, it, it, it's a bad pass, but you know it wasn't des- it wasn't designed in his head to be a bad, bad pass. It was an instinctive pass. He's done it without essentially thinking. He's done it based on kind of the system that Villa have played where you pass it back and that keeper's already rushing off his line. It's a new keeper. It's just, there's obviously the pass wasn't perfectly played to begin with. Nobody's reacted it to it in the way they probably should have done. Um, but then, then again, if they did, if, if Steer raced off his line quicker, would he have cleared it before Kovacic broke through? I don't think so. Um, but the argument is there to be made that nobody reacts to a Ming's mistake like Ming's reacts to everyone else's mistakes. So... Yeah, it's a bad pass. Um, sailed the game away for us. Um, there's arguments to be made for all sorts of things, but it was a, you know, that's that's the instance when it deflates. And Mings knows that. You see the reaction. He's already yeah. up in arms against himself about it. He's not pointing fingers. Nobody's pointing the finger at him. But then you see a situation kind of later on where Conza's mugged off, like on the halfway line, like in no man's land. It's breaking through. Mings is the one covering the mistake. Mm. What's you know? We don't have the. You don't. You don't have a stat for how many mistakes, like say how many times Emmy Martinez has bowed out someone. You don't have a stat for that. You don't have a stand for, stat for how many times Konza's bowed out Mings, how many times Mings has bowed out Konza. But you know, the proof is when Mings makes a mistake, he's usually the covering defender. He's usually the last man standing. If he makes a mistake, it's going to be worse than anyone else on the team because of the position he plays. But with me saying all that, that's not a justification of it. It's just kind of the explanation the take maybe if Martinez is there it's something they always do and he knows he's already racing up his line to clear it it's not a problem it's something that's dangerous it's still under hit pass though even if yeah, Martinez like, has got to be on it to, to get onto it it's still under hit it it's always going to be a problem with Villa playing like that 
and it's always going to be a problem with Villa making mistakes across the pitch with them not being you know, being a non-elite team. Any sport, a team that isn't elite is going to make a lot of mistakes because of the teams they're playing against and the way you know, their ambitions. You're, you're always going to make mistakes because of these ambitions. You can punt the ball all the time. You can play 4-4-2 and you know, have the big man knock it down and play risk-free. What does that like like win you? Um, the way Villa want to play is going to cause mistakes. I saw a tweet saying that if timings doesn't make the old mistake here and there, he wouldn't be playing for Villa. I remember obviously writing with Ash on, on, on Villa like probably a year and a half ago. And you're talking John Stone's been bunged off to West Ham because he's not getting a game because he's crap. Mm. And now, you know, these English defenders, Harry Maguire, if you want to talk about mistakes, you can see compilations of Harry Maguire getting spun time after time in the same game by Mo Salah. <laughs> these things happen, like, and it's just we might not be looking for them with the hyperfixation that we do on Tyrone Mings. Things happen. Tyrone Mings lead, led the league in errors, depending on a certain definition of an error. It could be you miss a challenge or miss a header rather than under hit the pass back. Um, you, you know, so you can't excuse it, but errors happen all the time in English football because it's not the game isn't set up for defenders to have a comfortable time it's you know it's set up for attackers to run at them constantly so you know attackers have never been better than they are now they've never been as fast as they are now they've never been as smart as they are now that there's a lot going against being a defender doesn't excuse it but it's really hard to do the job that a John Stones Harry Maguire Tyra Mings or any centre-back pairing in the Premier League does um, but you saw it against Karen Wilson um Got pushed off, didn't play to the whistle. Always going to be concerns, mate. Um, I don't know how you feel, though, Ash, about, about the whole thing. I think Villa are a stronger team with Mings in it, bottom line. I've yeah. um, seen that throughout lockdown. I think Courtney Hall's coming to the side against um, Palace and Villa struggled. And against Brentford, Mings at the team. Tony was given space, wasn't he? He scored, so whose mistake was that? It's one of them, isn't it? For, for me, I think Mings is the leader. I think Villa need him in the side. Nine, nine games out of ten, I think Mings is on points and he's, he's, he's really good. So, um, no issues with me. It's a mistake. He'll learn from it. If the ball comes to him in that, that situation again, I think he'll know what to do this time. Um, the, the, the counter argument to that, sorry, I to put in, is that yeah, yeah. I know I'm trying to I'm trying to play the card of people that yeah. are against Mings yeah. here. I know that we can't, we haven't got the comments here with us. I can see people saying you're defending him too much is what people say to the to the three of us because we're all Mings here. Now, so I'm trying to put Mings out essentially argument across. Yeah, they'll say that he doesn't learn from it and that he's done it a few times before. So that's his problem. The, the odd mistake is fine. We all make mistakes. We're all human. You know, us feel we'll make a mistake on this podcast and you know, the rest of our work day and it's only 11 o'clock on Monday. Yeah. We're all normal people that make mistakes. The, the argument that people say is that he's made these mistakes before and hasn't learned from them. So is that the issue here, that, that he might make that again? And then that's, that's why people don't want him in the side. I know we say it's sailed the game away. But there's also an element where Villa just didn't score anyway. <laughs> so, so you have to look at the stuff that's happening up front and you could say, yeah, Villa are always in that game. Chances are they never even ever score in that match. You know, it wasn't looking likely there. There's missing passes. I think Ings to Watkins. Yeah. You know, there's chances that are not going to be recorded on an expected goals match because a shot didn't register. I think the most famous example is Gascoigne slide. You know, I, I, Forget when that when that was, but it is your clear cut chance across the box. Slides and misses it. It's not a shot. It's an open goal. It goes down as a massive expected goals register back in the day. If the, if the stat was recorded, <laughs> because it was a shot, because it wasn't a shot, it's not recorded as a chance. So you don't have you know any bar of that. So Villa had had that happen a few times. Not essentially missing an open goal, but you had the chances where 
if the ball had hit the feet and if a shot had taken, you were then dominating and they were already making plenty of chances and they weren't taken. Mm. You, know, you just you heap pressure on your defence if you don't take chances. It's a team game. You know, you can't, you know, it's a whole fluid unit. And if they're not taking chances at the top, there's pressure going to be at, you know, at the back, essentially. So it goes, swings around the bats. We spoke about Brentford a minute ago when Tory Mings went playing and there was a mistake. Funnily enough, that isn't registered as an error mm. in the in the stats chart where people are beating Tory Mings with. And fair play, you know, you you use the numbers to back it up. But the context is a clear error happened against Brentford, not recorded as an error. What's so, the definition of an error? What, <laughs> essentially, what's, what's the opposite of an error as well? What is there a stat that that registers a you know timings n- n- nudges someone at a corner to put the strike off, getting a header away, and, and stops the goal that way? And I said, I know that's a minor example, but that's not a, a stat that we register. So uh, you can find things on both sides to say this is why he shouldn't be in the team, and this is why he should. Uh, final word I want to get from 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 you, Ash, and, and on this topic really, because I know that we're probably going to get too bogged down on it, is the words that come with these performances that it's always a mistake in him he's a liability stuff like that is he a liability to Aston Villa not at all no um, should he be dropped should he not be captain no he's, he's a pillar of strength to me for the for the lads out there you ask his teammates who, who go to the field with they want means with them um, yeah I think he's fine for me um, I think this weekend against Everton though I think I think Dean, Dean Smith could bring in Courtney Horse you know because he, he always brings Horse in for in the games where he's expecting long balls, you burn these against Chris Wood and Calvert Lewin this weekend. Horse could come in, I think, perhaps two Four and No, I think I think Ming sticks in sticks in there. I think he's like a like a lieutenant for Smith, isn't he? Uh, Tyrone Mings. I think I think he's well liked. He's favoured. He's a skipper, and um, he performs to do to do deep. I think I think Smith will take him out the side. Um, but it's up to Mings now to bounce back after that mistake and. Put in a, a, a commanding display. So, yeah, I could see Horse coming in this weekend, perhaps two and Zabie to, to go and um, try and stop Calvert Lewin winning balls in the air. I could see that happening. I think Mings is a big part of Villa set pieces going forward now as well. I think Villa took all three centre halves in the box against Chelsea. So, he's adding to, that, he's adding to his arsenal that way as well. So, um, he's Mings a liability. Not for me, um, but from time to time. There was a Rick, like, 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 like there's a Rick in every player. Like James said, John Stone's got a Rick in him. But um, and others, Maguire, the same. Defenders do have a mistake in them a lot of the time because they're under pressure um, and they're coming up against the best league and uh, um, best dogs in the world. And I thought Villa did defended okay uh, at the bridge. I mean, Lukaku had t- two shots. He scored two, obviously. Yeah. But um, they did uh, nullify that threat when they went for large parts. I mean, they. they, they they outshot Chelsea, eighteen to twelve. Was it? I mean, so they did all right in that, in that respect, but just the Kaku's clinical edge and just that mistake killed the game. So I think Ming, Ming stays in the team this weekend, and that could be a change with Horse coming in. I think the most important thing to be said is that he's not he's not a liability because Villa weren't the the fights were completely conspiring against Aston Villa against Chelsea. <laughs> I get it when it happened against Fulham. It's happened a few times, hasn't it? But against Fulham, I think you saw the perfect reaction in Mings gives away the really silly goal. And then he is the complete inspiration for the comeback after yeah. that. So the mentality, you can't you can't exchange what that brings to the team, but you also can't forgive the mistakes. They're always going to happen with the level kind of Villarreal and the player that they can 
they can buy and bring to the club. But you look at Chelsea and there's three mistakes com- committed by each member of that central defence in varying le- level of how horrendous that mistake is. You have Konza giving the ball away. It's covered. You have Tanzabi being completely stood up by Lukaku. Whether that's a mistake is completely up for debate, but people say, could he have had more assistance? Was it was it a mistake on another defender or was it on Tanzabi? Completely up for that. And of course, you've got Minks passing back. But, you know, you, you look at all these things and we can have the debate constantly, but at the end of the day, he's picked for England for a reason. He's picked for Aston Villa for a reason. And that's because people in these camps know a lot more than us about the type of player Tyron Mings is and what he brings to a team. The kind of armchair analysis of defenders has never been brilliant. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't know how you would kind of judge them at the same standards as the, the England kind of data analysis or the the Villa data analysis, um, because defensive metrics to my eyes are poor and they don't tell a story. Josh Onama kind of led tackles for Villa in loads of games. What does that even say? You know, <laughs> what what do you, you you get from? Do you get that Josh Onama is the best defender in the squad? You you don't you you probably get that he loses loses the ball load. So I don't know what you get. People say brought up Courtney Horse. He wins all the aerials. Man plays a game, and Villa have never looked poorer defensively mm. because of the organisation. Oh, and that's the, that's the like again. I'm sorry to keep putting in. That's the, right. the overreaction on social media. I, I tweeted saying, "Oh, as soon as it happened, I was like, we're in for another night of timing slander." Then and people go, "He deserves it. He doesn't." <laughs> Let's just get <laughs> out of the way first of all. Deserves criticism of a back pass that was under him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not sit here and excuse him and say, "Yo, oh, he's a he's a brilliant world class defender" because he isn't. That was a mistake. I'm, I'm absolutely on board with that. I agree. It cost us points against Chelsea potentially, as you said, James. We didn't even score. Does he deserve abuse online? Absolutely no. not. Does he deserve abuse in the stadium? Should he be dropped from the team? No. Should he be dropped as captain? No. Should he be dropped from England? Arguably not. That's a different story. I don't really care about England to a lesser extent. But I just don't. I just don't agree with some of the stuff that that will come off the back of this. That he should be dropped and that he's a liability and he's a joke and he should, he should yeah. never be near the team and stuff. Last night about I was getting tweets about his mental health. Uh, someone yeah. tweeted me saying, "Oh, he must have missed his sports psychologist appointment last night." It's like, what are you talking about? I think that that kind of thing doesn't doesn't go hand in hand with. Well, with anything really, but he's made a mistake in a football pitch on the football pitch, and that's as far as it goes. You want him to balance back from that. There doesn't need to be this big, massive witch hunt on, on the on the back of it. We're not in control of of Aston Villa's kind of selection and transfer policy. People like to think that we are, but if you get on Tyrone Mings's back, in a, I don't think it'll ever probably happen at, at Villa Park, but it's certainly happened on social media. If you get on his back, it's gonna start affecting not him not just him but Daston Villa camp you know you've seen player Henry Lansbury and Amor Algarzi completely sack off social media and Algarzi became like a really kind of integral part of the squad Um, you know whilst they're in a Villa shirt I think it's really important to back them not avoid the criticism but certainly not abuse them you know I think we've talked about this so many times now it shouldn't even be a talking point the criticism has to be balanced and fair you know if you're not you know, if you're hyper fixating on what Mings does, you're missing a lot. And that's not to say like everyone's committing the same amount of mistakes as Mings. It's just, it's really weird for to see the reaction of Mings. And then people say, when you are against Mings, oh, you've opened your eyes, almost like you've taken like you know on the, on the Matrix, like and you've swung <laughs> the, the other level. It's not. It's just it's absolute bias and almost a, like a complete delusion to 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 hyper fix out on a single player's mistakes because it is 11 players and it all that that error isn't just a single moment it's a lot of stuff kind of that's built up you know through training and the system is is, is that back pass met you know 
played and then under hit because of certain reasons. We don't know, but what we do know is we certainly shouldn't be going straight on social media and saying like really not just like, oh that was crap and you you were rubbish. Like really awful stuff that you see. Like it, it does have an impact, mate. And from a footballing perspective, I know you've just said Ash about my horse could could do a job against Everton. People saying, Oh, get Courtney Hawes in there, drop Mings. You're talking about dropping your club captain for your fourth choice centre back. From a footballing perspective, does that improve the side playing Courtney Hawes instead of Tara Mings? I don't think it does. Did you reckon Villa Villa missed John Terry's impact this season? I, I think only four four teams mm. have conceded more than Villa so far for the four games. I, I can't see Villa getting close to fifteen clean sheets this season based on no. their output already. So yeah, depending yeah, well, Terry's um departed we felt uh, amongst Jim Ings' concerts and, and whatnot. And Shakespeare's the more defensive coach out, out of Smith's backroom team now. So it'd be interesting to see how they move forward with it. I think, like, like everyone, Mings needs to improve as well. And defensively, Villain needs to improve as well. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, four centre halves at the club now. I think two of them did very well last season, didn't they? Um, Mings and Concert, part of that. that, that, that that little triangle with Martinez as well. Mm. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, but for me, Ming stays in the team. I think his performances have been, have been pretty, pretty sound to date. And you've got to, got to play well to keep your place, haven't you? That's the bottom line. Yeah. Um, if Mings has another rip this weekend, then question marks will be asked. But mm. overall, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with Mings this season. The way he started. But, yeah, like you say, Dan, horse could come in this weekend. We'll see. Just uh, to end then, somebody who didn't have a sound performance this weekend was the referee, Stuart Atwell, I think it was. Poor referees again. I don't want to keep uh, keep bashing them on the podcast because there was a game not long ago. We, we had to mention the, the referee being poor. I think it was possibly it was on the Newcastle Brentford. I can't remember which. Me and Matt spoke about it. It's a terrible referee yesterday. It's just a lack of consistency. I can't can't get on board with some of the things that were yellow cards for Villa weren't yellow for, for Chelsea. And I just, just don't know why we're dealing with these poor referees in the in the highest level of football at this point, or supposedly the best league in the world, and amateurish refereeing. Mm. Yeah, Villa picked up two yellows in the first thirty minutes, and Jacob Ramsey absolutely was asking for it. So, yeah. like, you can't argue with that. But there were a few challenges on the other side that weren't picked up, and Villa's like yellow cards. You got two in the first thirty, you only got two in the last minute, and one of them was Matt Target like berating. <laughs> <laughs> the referee, yeah, you know, like, what he said about him. Yeah, yeah, you could see, and, and John McGinn to a lesser extent probably more so picked up the yellow for his reaction, right. <laughs> probably rather than the challenge. But you, you know, the yellow for Ramsey absolutely deserved. But you can see how it kind of it was in Villa's thinking. You had to take off Ramsey because he was probably in the manner of the play. He was, you know, he was more cautious than he was than he started off the match, which was yeah. hampering the way he plays. Same with John McGinn. I mean, he did, he didn't get the yellow card to him to the 90th minute but if he picks up a yellow 60 minutes it's going to hamper the way he plays Chelsea didn't pick up a yellow into the 61st minute which was Marcus Alonso and by then I'm not saying they should have had three or four they should have had a yellow before then because yeah. mm-hmm. same type of challenges both teams were right and both teams were very fair but very aggressive and very rough you know the the biggest foul again you know hand, hands on from Jacobs Ramsey but it happens both sides and it wasn't getting picked up and it stunts the flow of the game negatively for Villa because they've got two players on a booking who are aggressive. You know, mm-hmm. got Mings, Ramsey, who have to alter how they approach the game on a yellow and it affects a lot of Villa's game plan. They managed without it, but Chelsea didn't have to worry about that. They didn't have to worry about anything. You know, the, the, the flow of the game went completely their way. 
maybe it's something they'll have to learn. Maybe they have to go, right, we can't just play the way we want to all the time because of different referees. I don't know if that's right, but certainly it's a condition you probably need to adapt to. You probably can't be this team on the front foot <laughs> on the press all the time if referees simply aren't going to let you play. It's not right, but you know you suffer for it. I was mentioning about the, the press bench at Chelsea, so close to the dugout. It's, it's quite... Quite good watching Smith reacting to or giving the full official loads. Um, just Did he say anything really... about juggling balls this time? <laughs> no, 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 he's less enough that one. But, um... I don't know if he even said that. I feel like he said so. Like it was a bit more like you know effing and blinding from the TV yeah. Rather, yeah. rather than what he said. <laughs> it was, yeah, um, yeah. He was, uh, was on the on at the fourth official. Um, he, he said like what Charles McMahon and Liam Watkins all game. That's the same yeah. one. And, and mm. stuff like that. I think Rudiger was giving Ings loads as well. And Ings, Ings went to the line and said, have a watch that. Well, yeah, so it was going on both, both sets. Um, and in the end, like, like James says, McGinn and Target just had enough of it by the end. And they yeah. got the bookings and really frustrating one. Um, Charles got a lot of favourable decisions, to say the least. So yeah, Stuart Atwell was the man and we'll see when he when, uh, officiates Villa again, hopefully. <laughs> not, 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 too, um, not in the too distant future. <laughs> Uh, it's Monday as we're recording this we'll be doing some kind of Everton preview on, on Friday afternoon I believe um, before we kick off on Saturday evening at Villa Park um, but just a quick one from the both yeah, how did Villa bounce back from a, from a 3-0 defeat how do we how do we go out there and try and beat Everton on Saturday home fans behind you you want to, you want to win your home games don't you mm-hmm. yeah need to bounce back in style last home game was a bit, bit of a damn squad wasn't it at Brentford um, didn't really play too well that day so yeah they need to back it up they've shown what they can do at the bridge against a team that's going for the title this season. So why can't they do it against Everton? And hopefully have more joy. Um, they'll have more chances, I'm guessing so. And we'll see what the system is prior to kick-off. No doubt Smith, Smith will kick us all guessing. Um, so we'll see what he goes with. And it'll be an intriguing watch. And like, like, like James said earlier in the podcast, obviously more Danny Ings, get, get him involved a little bit more. Um, get, 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 him, get, get the chances falling his way. And I'm sure he'll score. So, so yeah, we'll see. I think um, the squad's looking much healthier now. There's only Carney and, and Jaden Philogene Bedoyce that are sidelined at present. Um, we'll see how their fitnesses are this week. Uh, Keenan Davis out till the end of the month and tries to go long term. But the, the squad's there now. Liam Bailey pushing mm-hmm. for a start as well. Bertrand Truro back fit. Um, so there's options there. So would you stick with that same, same 11, Dan James? What would you? Martinez I don't even know in. if we'll play a three. I don't even know if we'll play a back three. It's all up in the air for once exactly. with Villa, which is exactly. really entertaining. Um, I think we'll go back to a four-three-three at home. I think Bale exactly. will start, and I think I think Martinez will be back in there. Yeah, who drops out? Ings. It's really hard when you say it like that. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I talk... feel like he's not gonna. I know, so. I he scored. He scored two in the first three, didn't he? So how, yeah, how he's did not, he's drop not... him? He didn't. It didn't really. It's not like he re- had a really, really poor, poor performance against Chelsea. It's just like. He just wasn't there, yeah. Like in 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 it with it, and you know, not unlike the, the the previous game. So it's really hard. But I just don't see them dropping Ings because he's mm. he's. I, I think I think Watkins might play off off Ings up front yeah. from the left and Bailey on the right. I think you have Brendier coming back as well, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I don't, I don't know. know how you fit them all in. <laughs> this, this is not our this is not our problem to solve, is it? It's, it's a no. nice problem to have, um, you and, and Villa have got options. He made five changes at Chelsea. It's unheard of, Villa, isn't it? Really? Five changes. Hmm. 
Don't make five changes in four games. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a stat from, from Who School before the Chelsea game that Villa had used something like 22 players in the first three games. And it took us to like February to, to use that many players in, in the season prior. So, yeah, I don't know what that number's up to now. But that's 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 a problem with the, the inconsistency, isn't it? And why Villa's results haven't been four wins out of four because we're not playing the, the same team in every game. Yeah, like that, no, that is a problem. Hasn't been a set side yet, has that been issues? And hopefully... Yeah. Wonder what, I think Deep is getting close to his, his strongest eleven. I think mm. he's getting closer. We've seen that at the weekend. So, but I think it will change it change it quite quite often this season. I really do. And like you say, I think opposition managers will be a bit bit, bit, bit thrown thrown back from from Villa when the two two sides line up. So it bodes well. We'll see what they got the weekend. We'll call it a day there for for this podcast. Thanks everyone for for tuning in on this Monday morning. Thanks to Ashton James for for joining me to chat all things Chelsea. We'll be back on Friday with a, an Everton preview with one of the lads from the Liverpool Echo, I believe. Um, and then yeah, we'll react on on Saturday evening when we get home from Villa Park to hopefully a, a big three points for Villa. So uh, thanks very much for watching and up with Villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then. Up the villa.